Last year, the UK government proposed a scheme which would deport asylum seekers who have entered the country illegally to their home countries or to have their asylum claims handled in Rwanda. Rwanda is supposed to receive 120 million pounds in this deal. The first deportation flight was blocked by an injunction from the European Court of Human Rights. London's highest court ruled in December, however, that the scheme was legal, but human rights defenders are seeking to appeal the ruling. The deal remains in legal limbo, with no deportations having taken place under the proposal since it was introduced by the government. And just recently, the government introduced the so-called Illegal Migration Bill, which, except for the controversial Rwanda deal, proposes a series of measures to tackle migration to the UK, including detaining asylum seekers in military bases. Human rights organizations and many lawyers argue that the law stands against 1951 Refugee Convention and the European Convention of Human Rights. So today, we will discuss the details of this controversial bill with an independent journalist, Katie Fallon. Katie, thank you very much for uh, coming to the uh, show and talking to us about this issue. We've been actually thinking about recording an episode about what is happening in the UK with the immigration law and um, asylum law for quite some time. And now when the debate is heating up, we would like to maybe start by organizing it a little bit and talking to you about how does actually the immigration law and asylum law looks like in the UK and what are those new laws bringing to, to the table and to the discussion? Sure. So, I mean, how we got to this place is quite complex. Um, and I mean, I'm sure other people could link it to decades uh, worth of policy and uh, um different things but i mean uh one of the big issues was brexit first of all which we voted to leave the european union in 2016 um immigration was a huge uh issue which was spoken about a lot in brexit there was a lot of uh, false information put forward about immigration and the amount of people that wanted to come to the uk legally or not legally um so the issue of immigration being something people were worried about started to really get heightened around Brexit. And a certain, uh, the right wing of the Tory party, particularly the Conservative Party called the European Research Group, uh, have uh, long kind of spoken about immigration as being this very troubling, worrying thing. First it was from the EU and now it's from uh, people taking small boats across the channel. So it, it kind of started from there, but it's it evolved recently with increased arrivals um, from Calais on these small flimsy dinghies, uh, which has increased in the past few years quite considerably. Uh, no one's, I mean, there, there are of course reasons why there's been increased instability in many places in the world. Um, people have uh, crossed into Europe and then made their way through Europe, up through France, um, hoping to come to the UK for a number of reasons, often because they have family there, because they speak English, because the UK has a history of colonialism in their country. Many, many reasons um, behind this increase in arrivals. And this became a huge uh, issue for the current government. Um, 
Uh, many have argued that, in fact, it, it's a distraction from the other issues the UK is facing, particularly since Brexit. We're having a huge issue in shortage of workers. Uh, there's been increased cuts to social welfare over the years, which have led to um, many, many different problems in many different areas. There's a shortage of teachers. Teachers are underpaid. Uh, well, they argue they're underpaid. Nurses, doctor, junior doctors argue they're underpaid. So we've had a series of strikes as well, which is kind of the context surrounding um, some of these debates, which people argue the immigration one is used to distract people from what's actually happening in the UK. So coming to what this new bill is, the Illegal Migration Bill, um, it's uh, the quote is stopping the boats is what they're saying this is will do, which means that um, anyone arriving who's across uh, on a boat will not be allowed to claim asylum in the UK. So they won't be allowed to go through the asylum process. Um, and part of this is the Rwanda deal, uh, which so far no one has been sent to Rwanda. Um, but the idea is to send people to Rwanda, which will then process their asylum claims. It's not a guarantee that they will be able to get asylum in Rwanda, but this is part of the government's narrative that if people uh, know that they won't be able to claim asylum in the UK, then they won't come. I mean, they, they produced a fact sheet and it has two sentences about why this is going to work, which says simply that if people won't be uh, able to get refugee status in the UK, they simply won't come and this will stop the criminal smuggling networks. Um, this is the main uh, point of the deal. They also say that people are abusing modern slavery provisions so that people are you know claiming that they're victims of modern slavery or survivors of modern slavery which would entitle them to uh refugee status they're going to basically reduce any um chance of anyone being able to claim asylum in any shape or form if they've crossed on a boat and uh this is also part of um there's been a huge targeting of uh, lawyers working with refugees um, in the UK, particularly those who um, have been uh, submitting, uh, trying to get people taken off the planes when they're getting deported to Rwanda. So we had a flight that was scheduled to leave last June and, and everyone was eventually taken off uh, due to um, legal claims. Um, and the Home Office says that this new law will also prevent any legal, they call it spurious legal claims. They want to kind of um, undermine any kind of legal attempt to people have, so that people have their human rights considered. Um, this is something that the Home Office says is uh, not right. Um, so this bill is kind of a very complex, different web of different ideas. Um, I mean, if you read the language, it's, it's more kind of, I mean, it's very, very political rather than technical. So the idea of how to actually implement lots of these um, policies they want to put into place actually isn't really talked about in detail. Um, but the whole idea is to uh, make the British public believe that they're tackling this problem, which they call a threat, you know, um, and that they're going to be tough on immigration. Um, and hence why it's called the illegal migration bill. They want to be very clear about what they believe these people are, which are illegal, and that what they're doing is to uh, stop the UK taking in everybody, they say. I mean, they argue that so many people want to come to the UK, which actually isn't true either. Mm -hmm. 
So maybe um, let's go to that. Uh, since so many people want to come to the UK, uh, let's go a little bit to the numbers because last year 45,000 people came by boat through the English Channel and 75,000 actually uh, have applied for asylum. But this is the largest number of applications uh, ever uh, in in the British history. Um, this year, um, more than 3,700 people have already crossed the channel. And now, is the government right that uh, the problem is increasing and it, uh, the problem that this issue, the numbers are increasing and that it will become a problem uh, in the future? I mean, okay, so they're right and that the fact the numbers have gone up, that's undeniable. And the problem is, I think there is element of truth in the fact that it's very difficult to manage these numbers suddenly. But these are not huge numbers that we've seen in the UK compared to other places, such as Greece, for example. Of course, Greece didn't have to process a million people's asylum claims, but Greece still has had to process a high number of asylum claims. Whether that's been done sort of efficiently is another point but nonetheless the UK is not um a particularly a standalone case in having an increased amount of arrivals um its system likely isn't functioning uh from what I understand but this is also again part of a broader context of the fact that every part of uh UK sort of um society has been slowly chipped away through like a series of cuts and underfunding um money just hasn't been given into social services local councils places that would actually have the jurisdiction to deal with also refugees um, in their areas they literally don't have the capacity and this is a problem uh that we're seeing not just in uh asylum claims but in literally every area of life in the uk um so I, I suppose there's an element of truth, but the idea of the UK not being able to do this, I think is uh, likely also not to be completely true because the UK is like very capable of functioning um, as we, I mean, it, it's not a, a country that is falling on hard times. I mean, definitely Brexit's had a huge impact, but um, it's, I think, an excuse rather than a reality that the UK can't deal with these numbers. Um, and also the truth of it is that we have a shortage of workers right now. We actually need um, people coming to the UK to work, you know, in hospitality and healthcare, many and agriculture. I mean, we actually need people working, whether one believes it's an argument that we should take people because we need them or we should take people just because we should is another thing. But um now to the idea that uh, everyone wants to come to the UK. I mean, of course, that's ridiculous. We all know that um, most people, uh, most refugees go to the nearest safe safe country or their neighboring country, that actually the idea that most people come to the UK is ridiculous. Um, it's, a, as we know from the numbers, a, a very small percentage of people that make it to Europe and then even to um, the UK. I mean, we've seen other places like Germany take huge numbers of so the idea that uh, the UK wouldn't be able to, in some ways, uh, imitate the Germans and how they've processed uh, asylum claims. And uh, it just is also, in my opinion, um, uh, slightly ridiculous. Um, but the idea that everyone wants to come to the UK is, of course, ridiculous. Uh, we all know that's not true. And it's uh, part of a, a very kind of... Um, 
familiar scare tactic used uh, not just in British politics, but um, to to make the population believe that um, these uh, measures are necessary because the country is going to be overwhelmed with people arriving. It just simply isn't true. Uh, we all know it's not true. Um, the idea that everyone wants to come to the UK is also quite egotistical and um, it, it's part of this uh, sort of false sense of uh, pride that we have as a country that we simply, you know, uh, that no one else measures up to us because we're so amazing, uh, which was also uh, part of this narrative which fed into Brexit. And it's um, couched in very distasteful ideas of colonialism and um, when Britain was a sort of naval power, but that involved obviously um, centuries of um, like abominable behavior by British authorities. So again, it's not something that um, I think is appropriate to um, to bring up, but nonetheless, yeah, that there's, there's kind of two ideas. One, that Britain is the best country in the world. So why wouldn't everyone to come here? And second, that um, uh, we need to do something about this this threat. Uh, it's, you know, people are often called like yeah that they've they've used many different words for people as threats, flows, waves. Um, it's all the same, really. It's not it's not like the UK is particularly uh, has a particular level of genius and how they kind of reform the argument to make people seem like they're um, a danger. But um, it's what we're seeing and. Uh, a lot of what the Home Office puts out in its uh, narratives is very kind of tried and tested forms of uh, speaking about people in a very like scary way to make people believe that what they're doing is justified and necessary. Of course, we know that the language we use uh, can actually bring certain emotions, right? If you use, um, as you said, the words uh, like waves, like influxes, um, it Im immediately builds this image of people were really coming and almost uh, like attacking um, the um, uh, the country they, they are trying to get to. Um, but I want to go a little bit more into the bill itself. So uh, there are many controversial issues with it. And one of them is that this law will also allow the authorities to detain arrival um, people who arrive uh, on boats without any bail uh, for 28 days and people will not have a right to, um, to, um, to claim that this is, um, unlawful for those 28 days. They, there will be some exceptions like people with, uh, disabilities, uh, minors. So this is one of the things. And this bill itself says basically, apparently on the front page, that it may be in violation of the European Convention of Human Rights. So there are many, many controversial issues uh, related to this thing. And well, my big problem with it that a liberal democracy like the UK is basically abandoning this notion that it's a universal right, a right to asylum. Yeah, I mean, it's all pretty um, shocking when you read through parts of it. Um, I, I think what I've seen and found hope in is that there have been various judgments in different various courts in the UK, um, which have 
uh, ruled certain parts of previous Home Office policy as incompatible with the law or um, unjust. And I think um, even though there are parts of the Conservative Party which would like to remove us from um, uh, Strasbourg, from, from the European Court of Human Rights, um, I think that would be very difficult. But this is one of the arguments they use as to why we should, because it was actually through applications to the European Court of Human Rights that people were able to be removed from the flight that was leaving to Rwanda. Um, it, it is very troubling. Um, it's, But it's been very troubling watching what's happening in the UK for a number of years now. I mean, um, it was very troubling watching the narratives about around Brexit. It was very troubling seeing how, well, first of all, seeing us leave from the EU and then the subsequent um, ways in which Europe was spoken about by certain politicians. Um, the I, I would say that uh, there is a sense that the UK's identity is changing. I mean, it, it's very, I don't know whether things could be reversed or um, certain things would be changed under a new government. I believe certainly that the Labour Party would not take the same direction that the Conservative Party has. Um, but I, I would say that, I mean, definitely the reputation of the UK has been tarnished, whether its judicial system will be impacted by various parts of this legislation. It remains to be seen. I do believe that um, the good thing about that I've seen is that the judiciary is as it should be, is independent and has had uh, has shown its teeth. You know, it has been able to come up against the Home Office in certain parts recently. Uh, so I don't think there is, um, it's not without hope, but certainly um, this bill would try and make it so that the judiciary wouldn't be involved even, like there wouldn't be any possibility to make legal application. And of course, as many people have said, as the UNHCR has said, as Doctor Without Borders have said, many of this is incompatible with the European Convention, the UN Convention, uh, the Geneva Convention. Sorry, um, many of these uh, parts of the bill just simply are incompatible with many different parts of international law, um, human rights legislation. So it, many people have said it, it's going to be very difficult to implement and. I think that's probably likely. Um, it's also going to be very costly to um, detain people it, somewhat indefinitely, I think, from what it says. I mean, the UK already has um, an ind indefinite time on detention for immigration, um, for immigration offences. So it's the only country in Europe, I think, that does have that. But in practice, people are never usually held indefinitely. Um, I think this bill is more of a... Um, uh, performance in many ways for um, a voting population. Um, I mean, the Conservative Party is not is losing, uh, has been steadily losing um, a lot of uh, support across the country for various reasons. And I think they see immigration as a way of trying to rebuild some of their base. Um, it remains to be seen whether that actually successful but um yeah it, it is troubling as to watch how the uk is slowly in some ways unraveling um but at the same time i i still believe in in the power of the sort of different of the judiciary of different elements to make sure that um 
parts of this bill probably won't be able to work in the way that they, the Tories would like it to. You're arguing that this is more of a political move rather than actually an attempt to find a real solution to the, the, the asylum claims. The government actually is doing something interesting because they're putting all those numbers in front saying, yes, that, you know, housing, housing refugees in the UK and asylum seekers cost them six million pounds a day. Because this is actually something that people may not know is that uh, refugees in the United Kingdom are uh, hosted in small hotels, hostels. It's not like in many other countries in Europe where this is more like a refugee center uh, situation or a camp situation like in, in most places in Greece. So it is a costly thing. And this would actually support your argument that this is actually a, a very political matter that because they claim that now if you finally have those free resources of six million pounds a day, uh, you will actually be able to tackle other issues that UK is struggling with. And the solution to get this money back, in their opinion, is to start detaining people in a former military bases, on ships, big boats. And they're arguing that this is already happening in uh, Scotland, in the Netherlands. If this bill passes and refugees will really be uh, detained in, in those places, in all of those um, military bases, is this even actually possible to, to implement? Is, is this even feasible? Let's say it goes through. Is this, can this be a, a cheaper solution? Is this even possible to find all of those places, suddenly military bases, ships to start putting people there for undefined time? Well, I mean, it's like you said, it's undefined. So I think I think the cost will actually end up being a lot higher when you end up detaining people for indefinite periods of time. I mean, that if the government, I think, was actually serious about solving this quote-unquote crisis, they would do certain things like allow asylum seekers to work. Asylum seekers are not allowed to work in the UK, for example. They would do certain things like invest in the asylum system that they call broken instead of finding these kind of um, like performative solutions which don't actually have any technical reality of like actually solving the problem. I mean, there are actually ways which many people have suggested of solving this problem. And it involves in investing in the asylum service, in local councils, making sure that people have um, the ability to deal with the people arriving. I mean, um, it, of course it's costly to host people who are coming. Um, this isn't a unique problem faced by the UK alone, as, as we've said, but I don't believe that it's actually feasibly cheaper to house people in military bases or ships indefinitely. I mean, let alone whether that's right in a sort of human rights perspective. But I mean, it's also, we faced huge protests from like locals uh, in places where they've suggested, you know, former military bases or former RAF, Royal Air Force bases, where they've suggested hosting people. There's been kind of public outcry um, which is a separate issue, but, um, there doesn't really seem to be, uh, this isn't about, in my opinion, saving costs, or, although I'm sure there is a part of it, which they are genuinely trying to keep down costs. But I mean, if you look into it, it the costs will likely be a lot higher. Um, if you're planning on housing people indefinitely, and it also should be pointed out the Rwanda deal, which they've spent over a hundred million on already has hosted not one person so far. So, I mean, 
they're very willing to spend a lot of money um on on successful projects and yeah you just have to look at the track record currently of the home office has any of this been to date successful has these deterrents been successful no people are still arriving on boats no one's been sent to rwanda um they just agreed with france to give i can't remember how many million building a detention center in calais so the government has money that it's very willing to spend um almost uh thoughtlessly in some senses um on projects that don't seem to be doing any uh good and actually helping um solve this backlog of asylum claims or people coming um i mean if they were actually serious about it they would take serious measures i mean but again like i said this is not just confined to um the immigration issue we see this across the uk right now i mean we have strikes every week we have train strikes we have teacher strikes we have nurses strikes junior doctor strikes ambulance strikes an unprecedented amount of strikes in i mean in my lifetime i don't remember seeing this many people on strike the uk is not functioning as it should do um because everything's been underfunded for a number of years but this is this is the problem with this current government and um, that we're seeing so i mean whether it's going to save money, I doubt it. Um, but the approach of this current government also doesn't seem to be uh, necessarily focused on kind of truly financially solving this. It seems to be a performative play to try and, um, yeah, win votes. Who knows at this point? It, it's very hard to say what their end goal is because. It, it's truly so uh, ludicrous on these proposals that it, it just seems, it seems, quite frankly, it seems mad at points. When it comes to money, one more thing uh, that I actually was not aware of until I started doing research for our podcast. And apparently uh, in a summit that was held in Paris uh, this March, so, so just last month, um, the prime minister of the UK actually offered um, France a deal to stop boats from coming um, through the English Channel. And the offer is at $576 million over the next three years. So it's basically yeah. okay paying um, uh, paying friends to do it. And it was a bit shocking to me because this is happening in so many places in the world. Like we have EU-Turkey deal, Turkey's yeah. getting money to stop boats from coming to Greece. Uh, Libya is getting money uh, to stop boats. Morocco is getting money to stop uh, boats from coming—not boats, but uh, to stop to work at the um, at the land border with uh, Ceuta and Malia, um, the the Spanish enclaves in Morocco. So it is happening everywhere. But now we have um, UK and France actually doing it, and and France is also claiming they do not want more migration. They do not want more refugees coming to. Um, their country. So there's this this kind of a strange feeling also about this deal. But yes, UK is basically throwing money right and left, 120 million to Rwanda, uh, 576 million to France uh, to stop migration. This also shows some kind of um, desperation uh, to me. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yes. For sure. I mean, the, the UK, that deal was also, yeah, where they agreed to build a new detention center. Um, and relations with the French have severely deteriorated since Brexit. If we had better relations with our neighbors, perhaps this wouldn't be such a problem, quote unquote, for the British authorities. It's very similar in a way to, to the 
Greece-Turkey context well. Similar in some ways, dissimilar in many others. But um, yeah, I mean, it, there's no way that France is going to take back uh, people who've arrived. Um, of course, there's this new, uh, to be honest, this isn't new. There's been an ongoing throughout the years uh, discussions with France when we had in 20. 15 um the the jungle it was called the jungle in calais when there was this huge camp of 10,000 around 10,000 people um and there was a lot of people coming i mean there was again discussions with um uh french authorities about how to stop people coming um and there was more money given at that point more surveillance put in place i mean if you go to calais you see it's already fortified it's heavily fortified i mean there's fences everywhere i mean there was a huge issue at that point with people trying to get under lorries to um people would cling to the bottom of lorries um and many people died um that was one of the very deadly ways in which people were trying to come to the uk at that point but i mean calais is heavily fortified you it, it, you just see all these increased measures and uh you go to calais and you speak to people and it does not stop people coming i mean that's the whole thing the sort of kind of false friend so to speak of the politicians and this idea of deterrence is maybe it stops if sure I, i'm sure it stops a few people coming of course a fence is going to stop on some people patrols of police are going to stop some people but um the higher the fence you build the increased sort of desire of people to get over because i mean this is the whole issue with the uk as well and the way it presents itself on a global stage which is it's that it's the you know, that's this bastion of democracy and uh, opportunity. And so, of course, if you present yourself on this and freedom and human rights and all the things that we've sort of gone around the world, sort of uh, dictating to people how they should live and that we have this kind of great, great quality of life and we know best about everything. And so people believe, <laughs> believe the the story that um, the UK's put out about itself. So of course people want to come and you speak to people in Calais. And I mean, yeah, uh, many British politicians, some do, but many don't go to Calais and actually see what it's like there. And, um, you know, a lot of these are very young people who've traveled a long way, who've come from, yeah, who have many different reasons for traveling and uh, trying to get to the UK. But I mean, you, no one believes you when you tell them that life will be very difficult in the UK and that um, it will be really hard and it's not like this golden land of opportunity um, just over the water. But I mean, again, the problem is, is that the more deterrence that's put in place in France, the more that they want to leave, you know, the more police you put in there, the more people that get beaten up, they have their sleeping bags taken police cut their sleeping bags, they're tear gassed, um, they take just one shoe. I mean, there's a psychological warfare going along, uh, going around, put in place in Calais against people who are sleeping rough, trying to get, who are trying to migrate across the channel. So, I mean, the increased deterrence just makes people want to leave Northern France even more, you know, because they don't believe there's any way they would be treated as badly in the UK as they've been treated by French police, by Italian police, by Greek police, by any number of police along the way or authorities. So, I mean, the deterrence in Europe just pushes people further to the point where they get to uh, Calais or wherever and they see, you, you know, you can, if you're in Calais, you, you can see the UK across the water, you know, you, you can see it. So it's like, 
this land across the sea that you believe is going to offer you this new chance of life. And um, anyway, the, the whole point is that the idea that people will not come if we say you're not going to get granted asylum or you're going to be sent to Rwanda, maybe it will stop some, but people genuinely also are never informed that this is the case until they arrive. They have no idea what what's actually happening until they arrive and then, yeah, it's already done. The UK simply has, um, as I can maybe put it, a good PR uh, in the refugee community. It's like there are those yeah. countries that have a very bad PR, like like Greece, uh, like like Hungary, for example. And UK or Germany are still those countries where people believe that their rights will be respected in those countries, that there will be some support, at least at the beginning, that, that people will help them start a new life in those places. And um, that's very problematic. But I wanted to clear one thing. Because many people uh, uh, whom I spoke to about this deal think that deporting people, sending people to Rwanda, and it's not only Rwanda, there are talks also about Albania, other countries who would potentially take uh, asylum seekers from the UK. They think that people will be just waiting there until UK can process them. And this is a false notion. People will be sent to, let's say, Rwanda if this deal passes or other countries and will be processed there for potentially an asylum claim in Rwanda, not in the UK. And this is something that everybody is really wrong about. This is not an asylum waiting time for your claim in the UK. It is actually to get rid of you from from the UK. Yeah, it's not an offshore processing um, system. It's simply you will be sent to Rwanda and you will be either granted asylum in Rwanda or you won't be, but there's no chance of you getting asylum in the UK. And the illegal migration bill um, also says that if you've arrived in the UK um, illegally, there's no chance you will ever get asylum or citizenship or anything ever again, ever again. So it's like you arrive and that's it you've done it this way there's absolutely no chance according to this bill if it's passed again we don't know how it'll be put into practice but that you will ever be entitled to any kind of way of remaining in the uk in the future yeah the rwanda plan is not an offshore processing plan it is a plan to simply deport people permanently and and one thing that of course all governments claim is that the main um the main goal behind all those new legislations is to fight the smugglers, the the, the trafficking. And we know that this bill doesn't do anything uh, in this regard. There, there's simply nothing in this bill that would actually uh, stop it. But what they claim is that it will stop illegal migration. So any type of illegal route. Now, the question is, are there legal routes for asylum seekers? to take, to come to the UK? Yes, there are legal routes is the short answer. Um, but they're very specific routes. There's So there are legal routes, that's true, but you cannot simply just claim asylum in the UK uh, unless you are setting your foot on British soil. And not all of these routes will be available to everyone. And some people argue that you should remain in your country whilst you make an asylum claim through one of these routes and then wait for the answer 
which is, of course, as we all know, not feasible if uh, the re if you have to flee, which was your reason for making this asylum claim. You cannot simply just wait in Kabul or whatever, waiting for this decision, which may or may not come. So there are legal routes that aren't really the kinds of legal routes which would enable people to make asylum claims without taking these dangerous journeys, which is what many people point out, that people aren't taking these dangerous journeys because they enjoy them or because they want to pay money into criminal smuggling gangs. They take them because there is simply no other choice for many people. And uh, it's been pointed out many times that if there were safe and legal routes that um, that might also reduce the amount of people who are using smugglers. And look, no one thinks that the smugglers are good people. Of course, these like smuggling groups should be disbanded, should be targeted. We all know and have heard if you're like working in this area about the horror stories of how smugglers treat people on the move. Um, there's also a lot of evidence which points to the fact that a lot of these policies only make more money for smugglers because they can charge more for um, people crossing because it's even harder to get there now. So they just make more money in many cases. If, yeah, if you read the testimony of some people, it, it definitely suggests that deterrence doesn't take down smuggling gangs. When it comes to uh, also those legal ways, as you said, Afghans are one of the largest groups that uh, is trying to cross the English Channel. And I actually checked that with this uh, UN pathway of Afghans being resettled, uh, this, this whole scheme, in 2022, only 22 Afghans were actually resettled to the UK. So the number is very low. And the same as with Iranians, that the government's actually pretty vocal about the human rights in Iran. And last year, it was only nine Iranians that were resettled. So that's it about the legal route. I'm not mentioning Ukrainians on purpose because this is a very separate case in every country. To sum up, and I would like to know more or less your predictions whether this bill stand ch stands chances or not. And what is the time frame right now? What, what can we expect next for it? Well... They want to rush it through as quickly as possible. Um, they've already had a few debates on it as is necessary. It will then be put through to the House of Lords who typically do challenge, weirdly, the House of Lords, even though um, historically it's not been a left-wing institution and it's not in many ways, but the House of Lords, it's the second chamber. It, it, it provides a check and a balance on UK legislation. It's likely they, they might challenge certain parts of the bill, if not all of it. Uh, it remains to be seen. I mean, there is dissent within the Tory party currently about this bill and many other things. It Who knows what promises might be made to members, to uh, MPs who would not vote for the bill, who may be persuaded to vote for it. I don't know. You know, the, 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 the Borders bill was voted through last year at some point i wasn't sure if it would be so i don't like to make any predictions anymore especially since brexit because um i feel like it's a losing game making predictions about british politics and how things will go because it seems to tilt toward the scale of um depressing rather than not depressing <laughs> so uh, maybe this bill be voted through 
but then there will become, I mean, I think it will be caught up in a lot of legal issues because, I mean, frankly, parts of it are simply unworkable in the current way that the UK operates legally. So there will be a lot of a lot of laws which need to be broken. And I mean, the Home Secretary has even said she understands it's not compatible with certain parts of international law. So we'll be talking about this for quite some time, which also is an issue in itself because, I mean, uh, there's many things which are happening in the UK which need to be spoken about, which this bill is deflecting from. It's purposefully taking the light away from um, things which really really need public attention as well. Thank you very much, Katie. Thank you. Our guest today was Katie Fallon, an independent journalist. Thank you for listening to Fractured. Our podcast is produced by Refocus Media Lab's citizen journalists from Afghanistan, Iran, Ukraine, and many other countries. It is partly financed by Alliance Foundation and Choose Love. However, it is thanks to donations from individual people like you that we can continue our mission of teaching media skills to refugees and asylum seekers and give them a platform to showcase their work. So if you value this podcast and our work, please support us on refocusmedialabs.org forward slash donate.